Hi, everyone. I'm JJ Hornblass, host of FinTech Unfiltered, and welcome. Uh, this is presented by Bank Innovation, the leading digital news service on FinTech and banking technology. Uh, welcome to our weekly wrap on what's happening in the FinTech uh, world for the week of October 19, 2020. Before beginning, I want to thank our bank innovation advertisers, Blend, Mambu, Q2E Banking, and Sintelis for their support. So thank you very much to them. And I am so happy to welcome Rick Morgan and Bianca Chan from the Bank Innovation News Team. Welcome to you both. It is Friday, October 23rd, 2020. This week, the presidential campaign entered its final phase. Remdesivir became first the first COVID-19 treatment to receive FDA approval. New federal stimulus remained pending and locked in political battle. Goldman Sachs agreed to pay $3 billion and to claw back executive pay over its role in the 1MDB corruption scandal. The Justice Department filed an antitrust suit against Google. A good chunk of 3Q bank earnings are in and the results uh, have been better than expected. And finally, Guinness, the de facto national beer of Ireland, has launched its first alcohol-free beer. Guinness first started brewing beer in, do either of you know? 1759, 1759. So uh, other than the Guinness news, um, we had news from FDX around a um, API adoption. Um, is, this, uh, is this adoption a matter of gravitating away from old school screen scraping technology or is there something else behind it? What's the story here, Rick? Uh, yeah, it is sort of a gravitation away from screen scraping. Uh, and it's not something that's going to happen overnight. The way that Don Carnell, the managing director of FDX, explained it uh, is the same way that online banking took time to roll out um, and mobile banking, et cetera. The same thing is going to happen with API-based data sharing. So it is happening, um, but it will happen at a sort of a, an, a, through an adoption curve that will take time. Um, and yeah, screen scraping, you know, definitely has a rap uh, of being less secure, of being um, maybe a little bit less accurate, but, uh, you know, it was just kind of the 1.0 version of data sharing, and now they're moving to something that's um, more secure and faster. Do we have a sense for the scope of API adoption across all of financial services? So I tried to wheedle some numbers out of them. Uh, he said they're still compiling their numbers and it's very difficult. It's like herding cats. The last number we got from them was in the spring. I, can't, I think it was April or May. Uh, they have converted 12 million end consumers away from uh, screen scraping to API-based data sharing. And he said, we can keep an eye out for some updated numbers here in the next couple of months. So what, when you say that we did this, what does that mean that FDX did this? So uh, FDX stands for Financial Data Exchange. They're a nonprofit that it's uh, made up of 
a lot of big banks, uh, a lot of fintechs, the biggest banks that, I mean, pretty much every bank you, that you can think of, J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells, U.S. Bank, every Bank of America, as well as uh, fintechs like Plaid, PayPal, I mean, all the, the big names that you, you expect are all part of their consortium. Uh, and their goal is to move the industry away from screen scraping to API-based data sharing. They're doing so by sort of creating this technical standard that everyone will universally agree upon. Um, the way I've heard them describe it is that they wanna be the Bluetooth of financial services. So in the same way that you, if you see the Bluetooth symbol or the USB symbol, you know that it's gonna be um, this universal tech that you know how to use and that you're familiar with. That's what they're trying to do for data sharing and financial services. So um, that's the organization that I was referring to. So in terms of getting back to sort of the scope issue, like where is the, did, did he give you a sense for where are the points of resistance in the process? Um, I think it just kind of takes time to get people on board. You know, obviously smaller banks that don't have the same tech budget as your Bank of America's to, you know, build their own APIs for data sharing. Uh, it's harder for them, I think, to, to get on board with this because they don't have the same means to build it in-house. Uh, one of the things that Don mentioned was that one way to sort of increase the adoption uh, and to get more players involved and to get more banks and therefore end consumers onto API-based data sharing would be to uh, onboard more core providers. So uh, the core providers, you know, they're the ones who are offering these out-of-the-box digital solutions for banks. So if you get more, um, more core providers involved and get more core providers uh, as members of FDX, you would probably see more banks and therefore end consumers move to API-based data sharing. I know Fiserv is a member right now. I'm not sure the other big players like Jack Henry and FIS, um, Astra, et cetera. Um, I'm not sure how many of them are members, but I know Fiserv is, but I think the goal is to get more core providers um, and therefore more banks to, to move over to API-based data sharing. Good. Okay. Um, Bianca, this week you uh, you looked at two regional banks, got a little bit of a window into their, the innovation strategies at two regional banks, uh, Regions and Umpqua. Um, so maybe give us a little background on, on, on kind of what's happening over there from uh, an innovation standpoint and maybe some uh, lessons learned uh, from these two uh, institutions at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there was definitely a clear theme across the two banks. Um, so I guess despite geographies, because they're kind of split across the country, but um, it basically seems like they're both trying to reel in spending in other parts. And despite that, they're still trying to continue to invest in technology. So um, for instance, regions, one area that they're pulling back in is, is headcount. Salary and benefits accounts for 55% of regions expense base, which I mean, I'm not a business owner, but that sounded crazy to me. Um, very high number. So they're looking to automation technology um, to kind of backfill those positions as you know they, they kind of squeeze squeeze out the headcount of their branches. Uh, branch consolidation, of course, is going to be another one. Um, and they're also going to be allocating more spend towards mobile uh, their mobile app, the mobile capabilities, and then also kind of digital origination, specifically mortgage origination and servicing. Uh, and then other sort of key priorities are e-signatures uh, across all digital platforms, and then also more self-service. So it, it follows this theme of, you know, pulling back on the human capital and 
putting more uh, effort into the technology that can maybe do that a little bit more cost efficiently. Uh, same, same strategy over at Umpqua. They're using tech to kind of boost that cost efficiency uh, in their earnings. On Wednesday, they outlined a, a few key initiatives, which kind of include um, the expansion of their go-to app, which we've written about uh, pretty extensively before. It's, it's a really cool kind of Tinder-style app where customers can um, get in touch and choose their personal banker based on, you know, like picture, bio, personal interest, location. Uh, and so they're expanding that to their business clients and evolving that product. Um, and it's a very important tool in their, in their human digital strategy. So, you know, marrying technology with the human touch. Uh, and that app actually saw a 38% spike in usage and third quarter uh, versus prior quarters. And now they're up to 70,000 users um, since launching last April. So they're seeing some adoption there and it makes sense that they're putting, they're putting their money into that tool. Uh, and then and also the um, other sort of key initiatives as part of their next gen 2.0 strategy, that's what they call their uh, operational efficiency strategy. Uh, branch consolidation, the, the continual migration from data center to the cloud, uh, more back office simplification. So it's like aligning similar teams of like functions and um, more, yeah, just more sort of back office uh, simplification. I mean, it seems like both in both cases, regions and Umpqua, um, this drive to automation ends up kind of circling back to Rick's point, um, which is that without um, extensive API uh, integration and utilization, these, these endeavors are just going to slow, if not become, if, if, if they're not even impossible. I mean, would both of you agree with this or disagree you know, how much of this is going to rely on API uh, integration um, for, for banks like Regions, Umqua, and, you know, other regional banks? Yeah, well, this API-enabled strategy, that was kind of a key um, call-out in Umqua's earnings, uh, something that they're definitely working towards. I think as everyone kind of moves more towards real-time, and then, of course, like the secure sharing of data as well. But from what we've heard, APIs are they're expensive to build. Uh, you need that kind of software engineering uh, power. And they're also, I think, expensive to maintain. I mean, if you're relying on this connection to share data, it depends how, um, you know, if it's, a, if it's a very critical function, then you need to make sure that the API is stable and, and remains stable despite kind of everything that's changing around at the scale, um, you know, fraud, whatever comes in. And so I think, um, APIs are definitely the golden standard, but I think a lot of these smaller players also still rely on this um, file file exchange, the kind of batch sharing that you have, not on a real-time basis, but um, on a more frequent basis than, let's say, you know, the paper kind of process that you take. Right. So, so the, you're saying that the less the less expensive alternative is is batch file sharing or is there some other technology um, uh, solution that that kind of you know gives you the best of both worlds like a real-time dynamic but where you you it's less expensive mm, no I think it's really just for right now the two more popular ones the ones that uh, the banks that do have the kind of capital to invest in apis they're going that route Otherwise, it's this batch file exchange. Right. Uh, I, Rick, did you get a sense from uh, FDX 
you know, the degree to which, at least on the regional banking side, you know, adoption rates or not? Uh, I think he didn't distinguish, uh, Don didn't distinguish between like big banks and small banks on the call necessarily. But I mean, if you just look at FTX's members, um, you know, there are some regional banks, but obviously not every regional bank is a member, whereas pretty much every big bank is a member. So uh, I think, yeah, the, uh, the adoption is going to be a little bit slower for these regional banks that they can't build stuff in-house. Um, it's funny that we bring up Umqua, though. They do actually, uh, Umqua sort of made waves for, um, usually it's the banks acquiring technology companies. Umqua had a company called Pivotus Ventures that um, it developed in-house that it then sold to like a Silicon Valley company. So um Umqua is kind of a weird model because they are this regional bank that you would think would need to look outside for tech when in reality they built something in-house that they sold and kind of turned the tables on the uh, traditional fintech world. Right. Yeah. Okay. So um, what's, uh, what's in store for Bank Innovation readers next week? Uh, we're going to be taking a look at some new technology out of HSBC and then also um, don't miss our, our upcoming edition of Five Questions With, which is coming out next week. The tech lead of uh, Bank of America's Erica will be featured, so that'll be a good one. Very nice. Okay, also, good. Yeah, looking at some new AI startups and some, some investments on that space as well, so it should be a pretty exciting week. Good, good. Uh, well, thank you both, and, and thank you all for joining us on this episode of FinTech Unfiltered. Uh, please rate us wherever you can, and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. And of course, uh, visit with us at bankinnovation.net. Uh, thank you all so much. We'll see you next time.